Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. This is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today is no exception. We have a great guest all the way from Las Vegas, Nevada. Welcome to the show, Bo Eckstein. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Great to have you here. Thank you. Thank you. So, Bo, you've been at this game a little while, specifically in the realm of commercial lending. Uh, before we dive into the details, maybe give us a little bit of your backstory and how you got to this point in your journey. Sure. So, um, growing up, I grew up in the Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area. Wasn't a very good student growing up, but I always had a passion for entrepreneurship. When I was about 19 or 20 years old, I got a job as a telemarketer at a mortgage company, and I started making phone calls, dialing for dollars, and uh, got really good on the phone and started getting a lot of appointments. I then quickly got my license to originate loans in the state of California, which is a, a salesperson license, and started originating residential loans. It was pretty good. I was making pretty good money at, a, at the age of 20, 21, versus all my friends still in school or just graduating college. I went on to uh, work for a very large mortgage brokerage in California, the biggest at the time. We had hundreds and hundreds of mortgage agents. And then I, a friend of mine and, and I, a business partner, got the bright idea to open the first branch in Nevada. So I moved up to Lake Tahoe, which on the Nevada side, which is called Incline Village. That's where they say the billionaires kick out the millionaires is where all the wealthy people reside for tax purposes from California. We had a pretty good business going. We then opened another branch in Reno, Nevada. Had a little bit of falling out with my business partner at that time, decided to move to Las Vegas. And during this time, I was buying all sorts of real estate. And then 2007 hit. And 2007, if you guys were in the real estate game back then, when you were a 20 year old and didn't understand cash flow and were buying properties that went down in value 60 or 70%, and your mortgage business completely halted, it was a bad time. So I moved back to the Bay Area in 2008 because I was so over leveraged. And I was pretty depressed. I said, well, what can I do? I just ruined my credit. All I know is real estate. So I be began to get back into the lending business. And the now they had all these new laws and disclosure processes, which was fine. It was just hard to get loans done during this time. Uh, I also got my real estate broker's license in 2007. I started selling real estate. And I happened to run into a gentleman who was a friend of mine, and, and he owned a, a residential mortgage company. And he brought to my attention that he was also a managing member of a a hard money fund. So that changed my mindset because they would do construction loans, they would do fix and flip loans. So I started originating for the fund and I got pretty good at doing that. And at the time, there wasn't all this institutional money in this in the space like there is today. So it was pretty easy to, to cherry pick deals and fund them. And we would do pretty high leverage deals. And after I did a bunch of those, I said, well, if they can flip properties, I can flip properties. I'm a licensed broker. I can just go on MLS and cherry pick deals. And so we started flipping properties. But at that time, I didn't have money or credit. So I had to partner. So I, I figured out how to partner with the contractor, how to partner with a money partner. And we did that time after time after time. Then I saved up a little bit of money, but I still like to partner now to this day. Then from there, I was, I've always had a big presence on YouTube and so forth. I did actually got casted for a house flipping TV show on HGTV called Flip It to Win It, which was in 2013 and 14. We did 12 episodes. It was a pretty fun show. And from there, I got more into commercial lending, doing big multifamily bridge loans, construction financing, learning about HUD financing for multifamily, SBA financing, 
Uh, that's how I started my podcast because I would just constantly learn and learn how to put deals together. And I, I'm a really good networker. So I'm friends with all these people that run funds and things like that. So I'm pretty good at putting t- deals together. So today I do a combination of fix and flip loans to this day because I have clients. I do SBA financing for business owners uh, where you can finance assisted living facilities, hotels, different things like that. Uh, I do pay, uh, PACE financing, which is a state-enabled program, and just a lifetime student of the lending business, and I enjoy it. I, I invest myself. I don't really do big projects at the time, but I, I, I like to hit uh, singles and doubles. Buying, uh, I like uh, the Midwest. I buy a lot of small properties in the Midwest, and now I'm buying in Pennsylvania because I like that state because I used to live in Pennsylvania as a child, and price-to-rent ratios are really good. And on top of that, I have one other business where we go in and, and um, we're partnered. Uh, we go into business owners uh, and help them save money and automate their business processes. And I enjoy that because some of my clients that come to me for the SBA loans, I can cross sell them or help them with cost savings programs. For example, we have a, a pay any day program. So if it's a large employer and they have a thousand employees and, and the employees only get paid every two weeks, we have a an app that they can get paid 50% of wages earned on demand. Uh, and the, the money actually doesn't come from the employer, it comes from us. So it's a pretty unique, it's called earned wage access. And so I, I have a company called Expense Savvy and we have different products like that to help business owners. So I, I'm a lifetime student learner. I like to network. I'm really good at marketing and YouTube's been really good to me. So that's kind of my business model. Uh, and then I like to talk to people like yourself and learn what other people are doing. Love it. So maybe let's dive into one area in particular that maybe we haven't spent a lot of time on in the, on this particular podcast, and that's the the pace lending program. Like you said, it varies state by state, and it's really designed to provide lending incentives based on energy efficiency. Correct. That's correct. So there's twenty some states that are. Uh, enabled right now. And it's really comes down to certain um, municipalities or jurisdictions within the state. Some states are very pace friendly. And this isn't our pace, it's C-PACE, which is for commercial properties. There's a big difference because residential pace has kind of a bad stigma in the market, but C-PACE is completely different. So what we do, let's just say we have a sponsor that wants to build, we'll use an assisted living facility for this case study here. And traditionally, they might be limited unless they maybe go to HUD to get relatively, they're going to be probably 70, 75% LTC loan to cost. So what PACE does or CPACE in the, in the capital stack, it's almost like um, MES or preferred equity, but it's, it is debt. So we're an assessment, almost like an assessment through the property taxes. So we work in conjunction with senior debt. So the big caveat is, is that the senior lender has to sign a one-page document, which is a lender consent document. Now, a lot of banks in the past have had worries. Well, you have senior position because you're like an assessment through the property taxes. So you're actually in front of us. We have no uh, acceleration clauses in our documents. So uh, if the property were to foreclose, we would run with the property and so forth. So there's very limited risk to banks. And that's why there's more and more banks and non-bank lenders opting into working with us. Over 300 banks that I know of, and probably more, have worked with PACE in the capital stack. So 
it's 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 great in a couple ways. One is is that it's we're we're building a, a cleaner product, better for the environment. Obviously, we need that. But really, why developers love it is because they can raise less capital and ha- have better returns uh, at the end of the day. So it's really a two prong approach for success. So every developer out there should be looking at pace in the capital stack. So if we look at, for example, at the pace program, presumably there's certain energy studies that need to be done on your new build to make sure that you're in fact going to qualify. When you just take your standard, you know, international building code compliant design, will a modern design qualify out of the box or are there specific things that you need to do typically to qualify, whether it's heat pumps or enhanced insulation or things like that, that will get you uh, over that threshold? Sure. So in a high level, some states, each state has a little bit different benchmark we got to hit and some are very liberal where you can you can add, there's a lot you can do uh seismic you can do foundation there's a lot more of the of the construction budget that can be financed but but usually uh out of the total construction budget there's 10 to 15 10 to 20 percent of the total construction budget is usually eligible for for pace financing kind of as a rule of thumb and so to answer your question Today's building code usually uh, enables the program. So we're not, when we analyze it, we're not saying do anything different. Like we're just saying, do you hit the benchmarks? And usually everything does in, in more uh, in the liberal states. Now we do have programs where you get better rates if you have like a zero footprint and so forth. So we, we could make recommendations there, but we, we never, it's not going to change the way you're building right, right now. So we're going to take what you're building and we're going to analyze it. The difference with our group too, there's about 80 steps to get this done. And with, with some other providers of PACE capital, they you have to go outsource the engineers and do all this stuff. With our group, everything's done internally. So they know how to maneuver and get the highest proceeds possible. But sometimes it's not about getting the highest proceeds possible. Sometimes we, you know, we, we reduce our loan amount for, for, because the senior lender is lending a bigger chunk and their rates a little bit better. So we size it up for maximum, but we oftentimes reduce it based on the needs of the deal uh, to make everybody happy. You got to make the bank underwriter happy. We underwrite off stabilized value so we can be very, our underwriting guidelines are pretty liberal. Uh, it's really just getting the, the senior debt on board with the program is the big caveat. And that's senior debt for your construction loan. At Is there... Is there an obligation to keep the PACE financing in place once you convert to permanent financing, or uh, do you do a takeout at that point, or do you keep that in place in conjunction with the permanent financing? We could. So really, we listen to what the sponsors are doing or the developers. Usually, uh, we do have prepayment penalties, but we we have ways to reduce the prepayment penalty depending on the, the expectation of the sponsor. So if they're looking at refinancing year three or four, we try to uh, accommodate them the best we can with our our financing options. So there's some kind of yield maintenance associated with the PACE program. Yeah, they're usually amortized. The states vary. So like Florida, I mean, Florida and California are more liberal in, in the PACE. So usually in, in most parts of those states, we can do 30-year amortization. Uh, some states, you know, we're, we're capped at 20 years. But this is non-recourse debt, standard bad boy carve-outs. It's it's an amazing tool. It really is. It's the volume of pace financing is every year is just amassing greatly, right? Because it's becoming more well known. 
Uh, still many people don't know about CPACE, but the next 10 years, it's going to be a huge boom. And it's not for every project. For example, if you're using HUD, it doesn't work with HUD debt. It doesn't work with an SBA 504. It will work with the SBA 7A. So knowing the caveats and how to maneuver. And then the big thing about this is if, if you're looking at possibly putting, bringing PACE into the capital stack, get, get us in early because we need the blessing from the bank, from the senior debt. So we'd like to be positioned and we'd like to, our vice president has a very great way of explaining the program and can usually uh, alleviate any uh, comments from the senior lender, why their concerns. They're, uh, our, our group is very good at overcoming objections why? because at the end of the day, there's not much risk for, for senior debt in, in these, if they know all the, like, for example, they know that we don't have acceleration clauses and so forth. Apart from a consent letter, presumably there's going to be an intercreditor agreement between the PACE lender and the senior lender. Yeah, that's usually, yeah, I, as far as us, the, the lender consent is the important part. But yes, the intercreditor agreement, it, you know, if the, if the senior debt wants something signed, that would be negotiated back and forth. Well, Bo, if folks want to connect, if they want to learn more, what's the best way? They can just go to Bo Eckstein. That's B-E-A-U-E-C-K-S-T-E-I-N.com. You can find out more about me and all the different lending we do. And they can book a call. I love to talk to people. Sometimes I talk too much, but it's fun because I meet people from all over over the U.S., but I do get investors in sometimes Canada. uh, And then, you know, I have some investors that are Americans, but they live abroad in, in eight parts of Asia. So that's the best way of getting hold of me. And, and they can follow me and check out my YouTube channel, investorfinancingpodcast.com is my website. And they can find also find me on YouTube. Fabulous. Well, Bo, love the perspective. Definitely listeners at home, you want to check out the PACE program, connect with Bo at boexteen.com. The link will be in the show notes. In the meantime, have an awesome rest of your weekend. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.